Welcome to the Retirement Oasis, a podcast that helps you enjoy, plan, and visualize a retirement lifestyle defined by you. Your hosts and fiduciary financial planners, Mel Bond and Steve Martin, are here to offer wisdom and encouragement along with financial and lifestyle ideas for your journey into the best season of life. And now at the helm today, your hosts, Mel Bond and Steve Martin. Thank you, and welcome again to the Retirement Oasis. This is Steve Martin, and I'm here with Mr. Melner Bond. Hey, Mel, how are you? Fantastic, Steve, and hey, I just love today's topic. Yes, we uh, practiced this on the way down to Atlanta to visit some clients, and we really got uh, excited ourselves about travel in retirement. So we're going to cover a wide variety of different issues about travel in retirement, why it's different in retirement, who we might travel with different ways to travel. And it'll just be part one of two series, if you will. Still pretty high level. And then we'll get, we're going to have another series to go into more detail about other considerations and financial considerations on traveling and how to plan for travel. But we know travel's very important to those that are getting ready to retire, right? With many of our clients, if we see them five, 10 years before retirement, it's on their mind. What does it look like? How much is is it going to cost? Can they travel in a way that they want to? So we know it's important for many of you out there. So we're looking forward to that discussion. And before I get into some of the details, Mel, about how travel is different in retirement, I did want to take a side excursion and talk about vacation versus travel. It might be somewhat semantics to some of you out there, but you can look at it as two different ways to take trips. When I think of vacation, I think of more of a relaxation trip, a way to rejuvenate. And a lot of times that's what we do during our working years, right? We're working so hard. We need a vacation. We need a break. We need to reduce the stress. So we go to the beach or we go to the mountains and chill, might go skiing. It's somewhat adventure, but that's really more of a vacation. Usually connotes a little more short term as well. Whereas travel, it's usually a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more into the culture. And got a lot of different quotes. I won't read them all. That'll be on our blog. But to really hammer home the idea that travel is a little bit different from vacation, I found one blog that it said, travel allows us to step outside of our routine. The goal is to return home a smarter, healthier, and better person. Or another on wonderwisdom.com, the author said that travel is a kind of adventure that leaves you with a lasting sense of awe. It opens your eyes. You learn who you are. It will help you discover your new skills, and it gives you perspective. You know, uh, so Steve, that's quite a I bit was, different, right? Oh, yeah, very different. Vacation versus travel. I think my line items in my budget say vacation, and I just became aware of that when he started getting into the details of this topic. It doesn't say travel. It says vacation because that's a sense of a break in my normal routine. Travel, it's like vacation is a noun and travel is a verb. Oh, I like that. Did you just come up with that? I not just, heard that before. It just hit me. Incredible. Yeah. That's great. And yeah, in retirement too, it could be a little bit of both. We don't want to suggest that you don't do a vacation, you know, relax, because it's still, you can combine both uh, elements, I guess, if you will, in one trip. And especially if it's a long travel trip, you want a vacation from your travel during those long trips. And we'll circle back to that that concept. But in general, we're going to be talking about travel in the umbrella term, but maybe a little bit more focus on the travel, the adventurous travel, because we think you can get certainly more meaning and a lot more benefits from from that those types of trips. So Mel, let's now look at 
why we travel in general, but in more particular, why we travel in retirement. That will lead to different ways we travel and different nuances of our travel and retirement. Yeah. And I think this is important. And of course, I might add, while we're going through this discussion about travel and retirement, you may pick up, like like I did, some concepts that I really want to apply to, quote, vacation while I'm still working. Helps me change my mindset about having some time away from work. But so why would we travel in retirement? I would say at a minimum, travel during retirement can just give you a break from your daily structure, your daily normal surroundings, get you in a different place to breathe, you know, different air and uh, refresh, renew, re-energize yourself. At its best, travel can transform you. So that that's that would be pretty cool when you're talking about renewing yourself. So it gets you out of your comfort zone. You're getting out of those familiar surroundings of your home. That can help you stay mentally sharp. You're going to have to use your brain more when you're traveling. And that's uh, very beneficial for us. It requires you to brush up on communication skills, especially traveling somewhere where the culture could be quite different. You'll have to blend that communication skills with your social skills. Even like, well, who do I tip and who do I not tip when I go to a certain country? You're learning their routines and the structure of their culture. And along those same lines, travel can be part of your lifelong learning. It's so important as we get into retirement to keep our brain sharp and to set some learning goals to some degree. And that's not just a classroom setting. It's learning from interacting with other people, as we've said, especially if it's a very different culture. And travel can help you expand your horizons. It can help you change yourself in various ways. And I I might mention this, you know, when we are maturing and growing as humans, we see in the other humans around us uh, both things that we like, that we want to emulate, that we want to bring into our lives. And we also see things in other people that we're grateful is not in ourselves. Now, it may be great for them, but I might say, well, I'm I'm glad I'm me and I'm not like that other person. So travel can help you open up to other people and change yourself in this way. Steve, what else you got out there? Yeah, a couple other points about why we travel in retirement uh, and really any time, but certainly it can be done to relax and rejuvenate. We're still going to need that in retirement. Hopefully we are living an active life in retirement, volunteering, maybe semi-retirement. Maybe we're watching the grandkids like you're going to be doing here pretty soon. Um, so so if you're doing that, you, you're probably going to need a break. So it's okay to go on a vacation, you know, whether it's to the beach, mountains, lake, what have you, just to chill. We're going to talk about a renewal aspect too, really taking that to another level. But that's, um, that's a reason why we do travel in retirement as well. But from a practical standpoint, we also travel to see family, to see friends, you know, expanding and developing relationships in retirement, as we said, is critical for fulfillment. So why not combine both, right? Travel to see family and friends and either foster new relationships or or deepen those existing relationships can be very helpful in retirement. Those are really exciting reasons. And it does kind of, I, I get re-energized just thinking about all of these uh, advantages to travel. Um, kind of reminds me, I, I think I have an article somewhere 
entitled, uh, Why Science Says It's Okay to Spend All Your Money on Travel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really, really good for us. So I, I think we've talked about vacation and travel and contrasting that. So let's talk a little bit about how travel is different in retirement compared to, say, pre-retirement. First, you're likely going to have more time to travel during retirement. Uh, and that might mean not just, oh, I'm going to travel all the time, but it it certainly should allow you to say, I'm going to take two weeks or three weeks or even four weeks instead of just you know a one-week vacation like most people do pre-retirement. So it's not just taking more trips if, if the money's there for that, but you can take longer trips. And sometimes the longer trips can have a really profound impact on you. And taking one four-week trip is usually less expensive than taking four one-week trips. Next, you're going to have more flexibility on your time, uh, like say during a, a calendar year, more flexibility about when you travel. Your, you know, if your your career was an accountant and you did tax returns, you know, you're not taking a day off during tax season. But once you retire, you could go out and visit different places during the spring and uh, experience that. So uh, you're going to have more flexibility. That leads you to possibly having different ways of traveling and could give you the ability to find lower cost travel choices. Yeah, along those lines and looking at the budget, that's going to be more critical in retirement. You know, whenever we don't have income coming in, we're probably looking at the budget a little bit more closely. And many of us travel, you know, with our companies during our working years and might have bigger budgets, you know, nicer hotels per diem that no longer will apply when you retire. So you're going to have to look at the budget a little bit more closely because you're probably going to be paying the full share there. You know, another aspect of how travel is different in retirement, we may have a limited window to travel, even though we've got you know more time during a particular year, as you said, more flexibility. We may not be able to travel throughout our retirement years, of course, due to limitations. We've talked about the go-go years right now when we're active and we could do a lot of different things. Slow-go, we start to slow, ga- slow down. And then the no-go, where we're probably not doing any travel, maybe in our, you know, early 80s and beyond, but it varies by individuals. But just know that certainly there are seasons to our travel. So you want to plan that out and think about doing those more active trips more early in retirement or even before you're retired. Okay. Then that reminds me of something else maybe we ought to mention here. As you do age, you need to be a little more cautious about certain issues relating to yourself and the kind of travel you can do. Your health uh, may require you to take a few more precautions on a trip, right? Do do I have all my prescriptions of, with me? And do I need to have paperwork with those? Health insurance? Is your health insurance portable? If you're going to another country, you may have to buy some supplemental health insurance coverage while you're over there. So we'll. those are issues that you may not have thought about when you were 40 years old and traveling, but we need to be more aware of those as we age. And security becomes more important. We, When you're older, got some gray hair, maybe not moving as fast as younger people, you can be more of a target for thieves and, and other bad guys. So we need to be aware of that and, and be may have to educate ourselves about some things there so we can be smart about it. And uh, maybe uh, the last point here is to say that during our working years, uh, we may have had limited time 
So when we had time, we went with our spouse and our children, you know, maybe some co-workers on a business trip. You know, it's you're kind of going with the same people all the time when you're doing vacation pre-retirement. And now that you're retired, uh, maybe the children are out of the house. You don't have co-workers to go with. So the group of people that you can travel with uh, is much, much wider. So I, I think we can uh, touch on that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Travel and retirement is indeed quite a bit different. Uh, and that leads to differences, again, on who we travel with and what we do during retirement. It's a unique season of life. So how do we capitalize on that? So Mel, back to what you were just talking about and in terms of who we travel with, we're no longer just traveling with our kids, taking them to Disney or the, the beach, much wider scope. And that could lead to lots of different ways to travel, but but certainly who we travel with is more variable. Yes, it can be. So let's start then with family, and then we'll branch out from there. So traveling with family is still going to be important, but it may require us to be a bit more proactive. Maybe we'll have to help more with finances to make a trip happen. Your adult children may not be able to travel as much as you would like. They may not be able to travel when you would like. They have a busy career and family, just like you did a few years ago. They may have more budget limitations, but it doesn't mean we need to say, oh, I won't be able to go on vacation with my kids anymore. We hear a lot of people saying, my most important trip of the year is uh, when I help my children and their spouses and their children go to a beach house for a week or something. So that requires more planning. It's on their schedule. They need to know ahead of time so they can take off from work and make sure the kids, if it's the kids' schedule, especially with extracurricular activities. And so it requires some planning and maybe some finances to uh, make that happen. Now, our, our adult children may be doing remote work. And so that can make some of these family trips a little more doable. But don't expect them to offer the idea of traveling with you. While they may very well tell you that they can't take certain trips, you might be surprised about how willing they would be to travel with you. It just takes one person to ask. That person is you. And if you can fit it into your budget to help with certain travel expenses, then obviously that's going to make it more likely that they're going to want to travel with you. We often hear from clients, they want to help their children during their lifetimes rather than leaving them a big chunk of money after they pass away and the kids are already retired themselves and may not appreciate that money as much as they would right now. So spending money on helping the children travel is part of their inheritance, I would say. One more thing about traveling with your adult children, they will have limited time and they may have a spouse or significant other that needs to see their family somewhere. So just be aware that they're busy and, and they are, are not going to have the time maybe that you would want. So show, you know, show respect for them and appreciate them and that will make your time with them uh, much more pleasant. So if your kids are indeed busy working, and I say kids, these are adults, you might take a trip with just the grandchildren. Some people call these the skip generation trips. Maybe you could pick one grandchild at a time or just uh, a few. Maybe you pick, you know, sometimes when I was 
when my kids were young, we had the cousin swap. And so maybe you pick some cousins and take uh, some cousins along on a trip and then do another trip with a different set of cousins. These can these kind of trips can have um, some advantages. The grandchildren might not otherwise have the chance to travel because their parents have limited resources and limited time off. The kids have more time off and and they're maybe happy to go on a trip. It gives you a chance to bond with those with that next generation and make memories together. You could also record those memories for all the family members to see. The, the parents would love to see their kids having fun with their grandparents and getting to travel. You know, parents want their children to have education and travel for, for them is a huge way to get educated. So keep that in mind. And these memories that you're making, we, we can all look back and remember when we saw something, this, this big thing for the first time. You know, I, I remember going to Washington, D.C. As, as a child and the things I saw there, you know, the first time you went to a big major league uh, ballpark and watched your favorite, you know, major league baseball team play, uh, things like that. Look for those experiences that will make really solid memories, a positive memories with your grandchildren. Yeah. Some other family members that you can travel with too now in retirement. You Again, you're not necessarily taking your, your younger kids now. Uh, it's expanded. Maybe it's siblings that, you know, as many of us tend to do, kind of move away with our careers or what have you. Maybe you rekindle those relationships and travel with them or even cousins. So it's important to um, understand what, what each other's interests are. You probably have more similar interests to your siblings than your cousins, but it is important to understand what each other's goals are in traveling and uh, what the budget is before you go forward with that. But but again, like inviting your adult kids on travel, you, someone needs to take that first step in asking siblings or cousins if they want to travel. So that's, a, again, some other family members that are, are great travel mates, if you will. Along the same lines, traveling with friends. We've seen that quite a bit now. You know, you know, two different couples or three different couples uh, travel together. Sometimes it's with their, their adult children as well. But usually it's the, the older couples together doing an adventure that they like. And again, this is even more critical to be upfront about what each other's goals are for traveling, what their budgets are how much they like to do adventure and you may have one set of couple or maybe the, the females want to do one thing and the, the males uh, may want to do something else, more adventure or, or vice versa. So you can split off by that and have that binding experience, but yet let let the spouses do what interests them at the same time. But but understanding what the budget is amongst uh, friends is critical before you do set out on that trip. You can also travel solo, right? We're seeing pickup of that either pre-retirement or in retirement. And, and more and more people are, you know, without a significant other uh, in retirement, whether widowed or, or not. Uh, but traveling solo can be quite exciting. You know, so, some benefits of traveling solo, it, it gives you more headspace, more freedom to think about y your own place in the world. You're not having to please somebody else in, in what you're pursuing in traveling. It allows you to obtain more self-discovery, right, on your own journey. And from a practical perspective, of course, traveling on your own, you get to choose exactly what you want to do. You can be as selfish as you want, but it also would allow you to get you or kind of force, force you to get out of your comfort zone. If you're an introvert, going solo may require you now, instead of relying on the, your significant other, may require you to become a little more extroverted and interact with the locals. If you're more extroverted, 
maybe traveling solo will allow you to be a little more more quiet and introverted and, and do some little more introspection maybe than what you normally would. So a lot of benefits of doing the solo travel. Another point on this, though, but going alone doesn't necessarily mean that you're traveling solo. You could travel in a group, could be an individual traveling with a group. And there's a lot of benefits of group travel. And Mel, I know you've got some thoughts along those lines. Oh, yeah. Tour groups, group traveling can be fantastic. I remember my my mom and stepdad, when they retired, joined a senior traveling group. And they were always uh, with a group of people, not by themselves. The travel group worked organized, you know, day trips, long weekend trips, week-long trips, two-week trips, everything that was local to, you know, going to Europe. And they got to pick what trip they wanted to go on. So being in a tour group, I, I got to see from their experience that there were some real, real positives to that. Uh, one of the benefits is you don't have to plan all the logistics and it can be really stress-free. When you're going to a strange place, a new place, Having someone plan your trip for you, who, someone who's who's been there many, many times, that can significantly reduce the negative part of planning a trip and help you just enjoy the positive parts. You don't have to negotiate with your fellow travelers about what you're going to do and how much it's going to cost and all of that, since all of that is set ahead of time. And traveling with a group can help you get to, you know, get in certain hotels or certain venues at a group price. So so that can lower the cost of the trip compared to you doing it on your own. And get, having a tour guide with some expert local knowledge can make it just really open up that local scene more for you to, uh, to enjoy that. And you get to meet other people on that trip, of course. Even couples traveling together, uh, like my mom and stepdad, there there were some people they got to know. And after a little while, they would contact those couples and say, hey, we were thinking about taking this trip. Are you interested in that? So so they were in a big group, but they still had a, a few couple friends that they could travel with. And of course, singles in a group, it's a great way to connect with somebody, meet other singles and, and have fun in a non, it's not a one-on-one -on -one kind of situation, right? You're you're in a group which can take the pressure off and let you really enjoy yourself. And Mel, and these, uh, uh, I was just going to interject, are these, they could be both domestic or international, right? Did your uh, mom, was it mainly international travel they went on? It seems like it, that could be really important because uh, it's much harder to travel internationally or did they do a little bit of both? Oh, they did a good mix. They did some day trips, like there would be some really cool little town, you know, a couple of hours out outside of where they lived. And the travelers would get a bus of people to go over to that little town and walk around for a few hours and then come back. It could be something like that. And they also did cruises. They also did cruises, like they went up to Canada or and no, they went to New York and that went up to Canada and then came back to New York. So they did some of those those kinds of cruises, and they also did a uh, river cruise in in Europe. So a really good mix. And I, I might mention also that this social connection, when you're with, you know, social connections are a really important part of living a longer, healthier life. Mm -hmm. And uh, traveling with new people in these groups can really expand that number of social connections, your that stimulation you get from being with other humans. And these are like-minded humans, right, on a trip. They all had enough money or an interest to take that specific trip. So you already have quite a few things in common 
whoever is in that tour group with you. And we keep talking about these tour groups, and I mentioned a, a group, a senior travelers group. We have friends who have lived in Europe. The husband speaks seven languages, and uh, they take tours during the summer to Europe. And, and you have choices about what part of the tour you want to go on. So yeah, that's nice to know them. And this is just a couple and they plan a small trip. And if you found out about, oh, look what this couple does, you could contact them and sign up for one of their trips. And they know locals because they've been over there so many times and they have a small group. So sometimes their small group goes and stays in the home of somebody in, in Italy or France or something. So other places to go, Road Scholar, and that's R-O-A-D, I always got confused when I first heard about this group. Road Scholar, they take a trip. No, this is the Road Scholar. Get you out on the road. Smithsonian Journeys, Elder Treks. There's also a pretty good list put together by the people at Travel and Leisure Magazine slash online magazine. There's local travel groups you can join. That would mean you're going to be with some people you have some things in common with, and you might meet a couple on that trip or some people on that trip. And when you get back home, you can meet them again and have dinner and, and expand that relationship. Okay, one more comment about the planned tours. You know, they're not for everybody. They typically run a pretty tight schedule and you got to keep up with that schedule. Some of you may have a health issue that keeps you from having maintaining that kind of schedule. Maybe you want to be able to go somewhere, stay and explore at your own pace. In a group travel package, you're going to have very little flexibility about that. You know, there might be a little day trip here or there, but but not much for you to really have a say-so in. And sometimes traveling in the group can be more expensive than what you might do on your own because you're more willing to get off the beaten path and go to a particular place, stay in a cheaper location and not go out to eat as much. Maybe you're going to buy your own food and cook it. So you might be able to travel on your own less expensively than in the group. And of course, the social aspect, you may say, no, I, I want some privacy. I want to go on a on a trip and not have to see 40 people every day and interact with them. I really do want some time to sort of be by, my own, be by myself or be with just me and my uh, spouse for a while. So maybe a tour group trip is good for some things and not good for others. Hey, Mel, that was great exploring the different people that we can travel with in retirement because, yeah, indeed can be different. And some of the activities and the purpose behind travel can be different in retirement as well. So let's take a look at some of these. Again, your interests dominate, right? You get to decide what you want to do in retirement. It's no longer taking that Disney trip because your kids want to. Really take a step back. And I don't think many people do this enough. <laughs> Sometimes they just think, okay, this is what we did as a family. I'm, I don't want to do that. I don't want to travel as much. No, open up your mind, expand the horizons and think about what you really want to do, what interests you. It's not, you know, everyone doesn't want to go to a African safari. Maybe it's you want to golf in all 50 states like like I do. It, it just varies. So really do some planning and some brainstorming on what you and, and maybe your significant other want to do. You know, and I think maybe the most important aspect or different kind of activity, how retirement is or travel is different in retirement is allows us to live more like a local, right? We can do that slow travel, as they call it. We can take our time because, again, we have more time in retirement and we can get more immersed in the culture. And that can be game changing in terms of our travel experiences. 
Uh, and and again, we can maybe make friends when we travel, even though we may not speak the exact same language. Maybe it's close enough and we can communicate different ways and we can you know, become friends with someone in Germany or France or, or Ecuador or what have you, depending on the, the situation. You know, Steve, you were talking about uh, living like a local. I'm thinking my daughter and son-in-law, no kids yet, they like set up pet sitting in Southern California, Northern California and Seattle. And so they, when you do the pet sitting thing, you're staying for free in someone's home. So they got to stay for free, hang out with a pet and live like a local in those three places. Gosh, they were gone about six or seven weeks in total. And it they talked about being relaxed, walking on the local, uh, you know, greenways with the local people. They were truly immediately from the moment they got there living like a local yeah that's that's so important to to take your time uh and not i think i have a quote in here uh somewhere else are you are you traveling trying to do as many things as you can are you trying to make as many memories as possible and it's it's the memories that are important uh so that's great And, and yeah you can and if you don't have that option but yeah today you have so many different options to do it on a budget but if you are doing the slow travel many many weeks out of there, you do need to look at budget closely, but it's great to capitalize on on this uh, new sharing economy that's available now. But we may also travel to, to see family and friends in retirement. Uh, we, we talked about going on trips with family and friends, but maybe we capitalize on where our family and friends, whether it's siblings or children, where they live throughout the country, and we can combine with seeing them, which maybe is the main reason we're, we're going there to their city, but we can expand upon that and travel to uh, their region uh, and take advantage of uh, possibly some free lodging, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of folks don't ever go see all the tourist places in the town where they live. <laughs> so if you show up and you want to go see a couple of tourist things, uh, it's not unusual that your family in that city are like, you know, I've never been. Let's let's let me go with you. Yep, we do that in Nashville, right? We uh, all the time. Our visitors yeah. get us out. That's Very right. good. When but... was the last time I went to the Country Music Hall of Fame? I need to go back. That's right. So, on for our listeners to our podcast, you're you know that we often reference the benefits of learning throughout retirement, keeping your mind engaged not just leads to a more interesting retirement and a more interesting life, but it also helps your mind stay active, keeps that brain muscle strong, and it can lead to better health and a longer, better life. So why not combine your learning as part of your travel? This can involve learning about the places you're going, and it could be the history, the culture, the language, Speaking of language, if you really want to get immersed in the culture and engage your brain, learning a new language can be extremely fulfilling and rewarding. And there are many tools to use to learn the new language. And you don't have to learn to the extent that like, you're going to live there. The locals that speak a different language, most studies have shown, they really appreciate when a visitor has made an attempt to learn their language, just to say, thank you, please, you know, where is the such and such hotel, you know, which way to the uh, subway, all these kinds of things, those can be really helpful. And of course, if you don't want to learn a language, there are apps you can get for your smartphone that lets you communicate without learning. I just read a little article, someone was interacting with someone else that spoke another language, and they 
we spent six hours together just typing stuff into their phones, letting the phone translate, and and they read the phone. So really, really can be helpful. It's amazing. It it takes it is it takes time to learn the language, even at a basic level, and that can be great for your brain. And so you're you've started to really developing your brain for a trip, sometimes months ahead of time. Some estimates say it's 600 to 750 hours to have a basic understanding of a language. And to the degree you want to learn, you know, you would put in more time to learn more. So what you put into it, you'll get out of it. But as we said, you don't have to do that. If you want to learn the language, that could be another reason to maybe take a grandchild with you. If they're learning a particular language at school, maybe you take a trip with them to a country where that language is spoken and they get to hear it spoken on a daily basis. That can be motivational for them to continue to learn uh, that language. In addition to learning culture or language, you can focus on learning while you're traveling. And that means learning about the culture by going to some museums, taking some time to sit down and get to know some locals. And that may mean you plan a trip with a group that will get you with the locals. Maybe you just want to sit and watch the locals go about their daily lives outside, you know, the cafe seat that you're enjoying your coffee. And so in that sense, you're kind of learning on your own terms. Oh, we have friends that import olive oil. So you can go with them to Sicily and the olive oil harvest, live with family members and learn Italian and, and just really take in the local life. So those are some, just one example of many opportunities for you to learn the culture at your own own pace you could take classes while you're there. You know, our children do this when they're in college and they take a semester overseas. There's Road Scholars is a travel program that boasts about being able to provide learning adventures. And Smithsonian Journeys also does this kind of travel. So taking classes in a specific setting is available to you. And then I'll mention one more, Steve, and then I'll knock it back to you. Another form of fulfillment in retirement that we've spoken of in the past, renewal, is related to mind, body, and spirit. And travel can provide a perfect opportunity for you to take your body to a different place, do some different activities, require your mind to uh, learn new things, and allow your spirit to see good in other people and in other places and uh, learn from them. So vacation is kind of like relaxing and rejuvenating. Renewal is maybe taking that concept of vacation to a whole new level. You are relaxing, you are rejuvenating, but in retirement, you've got more time to plan that out in ways that you can't on a one-week vacation. So you could set a trip where the whole sole purpose of the trip is to just do renewal. And that means uh, some trips that are planned uh, called retreats. And there's various types of retreats. Could be one in your backyard. It could be some epic retreat where you're going somewhere very distant. Maybe in your religion, there are certain sites that are considered holy or really important to you. And you said, I always want to go there. That's the type of trip that would be a renewal trip. Some cool retreats can be found in various uh, cities around the U.S. and around the world. 
And these cities are kind of known for being more renewal kind of cities. You know, when you go to Orlando, you may be going to Disney World and Universal <laughs> Studios. But when you're going to Sedona, Arizona, you're probably going to sit outside and look at the beauty and just soak in the, the nice weather and the natural beauty all around you. So retreats can be a travel way that's really focused and centered around uh, renewal. So, Ed Mel, uh, we're going to have some links to some of these retreats, you know, not exhaustive by any means, but just a few that caught my eye that, um, and I could see that being very effective early in retirement, right? You're trying to try to renew early on and really start to do more self-discovery at that point. Gosh, it's a doing travel and renewal, uh, going to retreat early in retirement can be especially effective, I think. Yeah, it's a great idea helping you settle into your new lifestyle by having time to think about it. That sounds great. And we talked about this before, Mel, combining travel and vacation. Again, the concept of adventure travel and also relaxation or rejuvenation. So again, you could combine the two, especially if you do that slow travel where you're getting immersed with the culture and maybe seeing it. Maybe it's a little bit, even though I call it slow, you know, over many weeks, uh, pretty intense uh, travel, whether it's hiking and or, you know, eating at a lot of different restaurants, being on the go a little bit more. Sometimes that requires taking a step back and, and you know, going to a, a nearby lake or a nearby beach, depending on where you're at. So don't be afraid of binding those two concepts in retirement. Yeah, that sounds great. Also, talking about combining activities, you could combine travel with volunteering. During our working years, when we take a vacation, we often tell ourselves, oh, we're taking a break from work. This is just fun. And volunteering is sometimes seen as more of a work activity, but there's so much benefit we get from volunteering. Combining that with travel can be really, really beneficial. You know, when we're taking a vacation, we're relaxing, rejuvenating. If you're doing an adventure travel, you may not have time to volunteer, but in retirement, you could actually schedule some kind of travel that is involves volunteering, it, just that being the sole purpose of the trip. So there's various volunteer choices that you have to that would let you travel and see the world. You know, if you go over the internet and you can find many charities that plan some kind of trip during the year that you can sign up for. And that so your choices are endless. Of course, we've all heard about the Peace Corps. And they have programs for volunteers that, that are around the world. You might have a mission opportunity through your church or, or similar uh, religious organization. That could be a short-term mission trip that might be a week long. And sometimes they have longer mission trips. I know my sister and brother-in-law were career missionaries. And several times a year, whatever field they were in, whatever country they were in, they hosted volunteers that came in. And sometimes 40 or 50 volunteers at a time would come in, be hosted in, in that country. And those people would have a chance to speak the same language with the people they went on the trip on, but they're learning the new language and they're out there you know, swinging a hammer or, or doing whatever to help the locals in whatever way the, the volunteer organization is centered on. Of course, some people sell their home and move to a foreign country to be missionaries, even later in life. I think we talked to a client a few weeks ago who said, well, I, you know, I, I'm a widow. 
and I live my, uh, you know, one of my children and his family. So they're going to take care of my apartment while I move overseas for a year to uh, volunteer. And so that person is moving their home for a year in order to uh, get involved. Other organizations are looking for individuals that can teach English. So that would get you really involved with locals on a daily basis. And if you've got some knowledge of the local language, that might help. But sometimes they want people who just speak English to help. Volunteering doesn't have to be through a formal travel group. You could go to a city that has had a natural disaster and go in and help that community in whatever ways the locals have set up to help that community. So you're going there to join a local volunteer group to serve that community. And that is a cause that is well beyond your immediate surroundings at home. And you are unselfishly giving yourself total strangers who are in need. And, you know, just because you're traveling to do volunteer work doesn't mean you, you don't take time to see local sites and take some time off from your volunteering activities to do some adventurous travel. So keep that in mind as well. And most of these longer term sort of volunteer travel opportunities do include time to take some days off and go see some local things. And you're, if you're going with a volunteer group and you're going off to see local sites, that's usually being done in a group setting, right? The others who went on that trip with you are also taking time off to go to those other sites. So it all works together then, travel, volunteering and serving, and yet taking some time to do a little sightseeing and adventuring. Yeah, the, those local missionaries, for example, yeah, they oftentimes can really point you in the right direction, uh, let you know where it's safe, where it's not safe, and, and go along with you to help you communicate with the locals there. So, yeah, a lot of uh, – and I see myself doing that a lot, and I bet you uh, you and Kimela will do that quite a bit in retirement travel and volunteer, but a lot of benefits and a lot of excitement uh, from doing that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, again, along those same thing, uh, combining travel and work. So in a prior episode, we talked about all the benefits of work and how more and more people are working in retirement, semi-retirement or, or otherwise, but yet they, they still want to travel. So sometimes there's a, a conflict there. You want time to travel, but you also want to work. You might have to get more creative when you're working in retirement. But in today's world, it's a little bit easier to combine work and travel. So you can do this a number of ways. If your job allows you to do remote work, of course, that's much easier. I know your, your daughter does that quite a bit. She's not retired yet, but you can take the same theme. And I know a lot of folks are doing that now. If you're a consultant or if you're just working on a computer, whatever you're doing, you're able to combine work in travel. Or let's say you're full-time work or almost full-time and your job is currently mainly in, in the city where you live. Maybe you look to transition to another job within the same company. It's more of a travel position. Maybe it's business development and, you're, and it's a nationwide company and they want you to grow another market or, or develop sales in another market. Maybe you combine that. Maybe you don't work full-time that way, but maybe it's a part-time uh, travel position. You and your significant other can capitalize on that. So a lot of different ways to combine work and travel. You're going to have to get a little bit more creative and proactive in doing that. But just because you are working doesn't mean you can't go ahead and travel because you probably don't want to work 
you know, up until you're 70 and then realize, okay, I want to travel because again, time might be limited to do some of the that more adventurous travel. Yes. And Steve, you and I have both done this, right? Going on a little trip where we took had some fun, but we're also getting some work done. I have in my mind a picture you sent me of your computer on a table. There's a canal. You were in South Florida, and across the canal were like big boats, big houses. And you're just sitting in the shade in South Florida getting some work done. Maybe next week I'll send you a picture of my computer on a dock in Maine. Yes, you're going to Maine. You're, we're combining work and travel, but it, there's danger there too, though, right? If you're a lot of times we uh, get on each other. Hey, if you're going to Maine, don't work. But but it's easy to <laughs> now, right? You're taking your computer, so you got to strike the right balance and, and unplug when uh, when you can, though, when you're going to cool places like Maine. That's for sure. That's true. Yeah, travel and work sometimes can you know those of us who are working hard. It's easy to get somewhere and go, you know, I just thought about I'm going to be more creative at work while I'm on vacation. So right. let's go do some work. OK, well, one more travel idea to wrap up this podcast, short trips in just taking those long trips. Of course, there's a lot of benefits, but taking frequent short trips, especially, you know, during the week when a local tourist place might have lower costs. That can be an option in retirement. You have flexibility in your schedule. So if there's some travel, nearby travel destination that says, you know, oh, we're on, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday, we offer the special thing for our guests. You're like, hey, well, I'm retired. I can go over there on Tuesday and Wednesday and enjoy this wonderful place at a discount. And you don't have the stress of air travel and canceled flights and lost baggage. You can be flexible on the time that you leave and the time you return. And there are lots of websites and books. There's great books in your local uh, bookstore that will, you know, I've seen them, you know, day trips from, you know, whatever the city name is. And so you can find lots of attractions within driving distance that you're probably going to be seeing for the first time. Because if you're like a lot of other people, as we've said before in this podcast, sometimes we don't go see the things around us in our own city that are good. And it would help us feel more connected to the cities we live in to experience these things. So maybe, you know, you're in Atlanta and you say, you know, I'm going to go to Charleston. I've never been to Charleston. I hear a lot of people talking about it. I'm going to just pick a few days and head over there, eat some good food go see you know some of the historical homes or historical sites that type of thing in in Nashville maybe you're going to go see an SEC football game you know either here in Nashville or you're going to go to Knoxville I'm going to I got tickets to go see a game in Tuscaloosa Starkville you know wherever you want to go you can go see those things and of course other Day trips can cover everything. Famous restaurant, great barbecue place, you know, feature in nature, be it a a mountain or a hill or some cliffs or a river, some falls, all kinds of things for you to do with short trips. So get out there just for a day or two and uh, travel. Yeah, I like that idea of the SEC road trips. I know a lot of people are so passionate now. They follow their schools and go to every 
road game, but that takes a lot out of you when you're working, you know, it makes it a tough week, but when you're retired, Hey, you can do that a little bit easier. So that would be neat to follow a certain school around or just go to a lot of different, a lot of different stadiums in one year and just get immersed in that SEC season, if you will. Even though the SEC is getting much larger, harder to do now because of the geography, but road trip to Austin is not a bad deal. And so it just means you need more trips. Exactly. Thanks, Mel. Thanks for covering travel. Yeah, I'm getting excited about it. I think we're not ready to retire yet. We can do traveling during our working years, but certainly, um, so it's something to look forward to when we retire. Travel can add such a, a neat element to our fulfillment in retirement. So the next episode, we're definitely going to cover more on travel in retirement. We're going to talk about how to budget for travel in retirement, how we should communicate with our significant other in terms of how, as a group, we want to travel and maybe individually how we want to travel. We're also going to talk about creating a bucket list again, together or separately. Going to explore a little bit more about using your home maybe as a financial resource and and how the new sharing economy can play a role in our travel. And finally, we're going to talk more about planning for retirement. I think planning for travel, more in particular in retirement, something that I don't think we do enough, I think, to figure out what we want to do in travel will certainly impact our finances. So we've got to plan accordingly to make sure we can do everything we want to uh, in retirement as far as the travel is concerned. So thanks again for joining us on today's episode. You can find more information on our blog at theretirementoasis.com. If you're looking for more information about financial planning in general, what a fiduciary does, you can check out our, our firm's website at oasiswealthplanning.com. Of course, if you're not a subscriber yet to the podcast, we'd love it. If you go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to it, feel free to leave us a comments and, and give us a review. If you like what you heard, we'd love to share the journey with some others. So until next episode, we wish you clarity, confidence, and cheer on the way to your retirement oasis. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Retirement Oasis podcast. You can find more episodes and resources at theretirementoasis.com. Steve Martin and Mel Bond are certified financial planning practitioners at Oasis Wealth Planning Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm headquartered in Nashville with meeting locations throughout the Southeast, including Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. The opinions given are for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, financial planning, or tax advice. Consult your own professionals for recommendations specific to your situation. Investments involve risk. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. On behalf of the crew at the Retirement Oasis, we thank you for listening.